As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Plus minus. Curry, way downtown. Bang! Bang! Oh, what a shot from Curry! Tim Kawakami deserves all the credit there. <laughs> plus minus. Tell Marcus that he asked you know that question about my defense. You hear that, Marcus? Anthony, you know me well, buddy. I have a great night. I think he got the highest plus minus in the season in NBA history. Welcome to the pre-Clay Thompson edition of Warriors Plus Minus. We are presuming, presuming, nothing official. But the trend that we are learning behind the scenes is that the next time we do a Warriors Plus Minus, it will be to talk about Clay because he will be back. I think part of the presumption is like COVID exists. I mean, not to jinx anything. That was it right there. That was the yeah. equivalent of him bringing up extra innings in a baseball Jeez. game, in a baseball press box. You just did it. So we'll, we'll remember the moment that Slater just jinxed it all and delay. The marketing department of the Warriors will curse your existence. All those t-shirts. All we'll those videos. Put, the put them in a box for two weeks if that happens. <laughs> well, I know, right? Fine. So what was funny about last night, uh, and this is total insight for Warriors Plus Minus listeners, you know, Draymond does his podium, or he was either, it was, it was actually shoot around. He's walking to the, you know, out of the interview room. He did pregame. And then, like, as he's, you know how that little area right in the locker room, right before, you know, when you come up the stairs, this is like a little foyer area right outside the interview room. He stands there and he records his Welcome Back Clay video. Somebody's like, hey, we want to get you for the video. And it was like, uh-oh, they're recording the video. They're recording the video. He just did it right there. It was like, welcome back. You don't think that's for January 25th, Dallas or something? (laughs) I mean, they could be extra prepared. You know what would be hilarious? If they just activated him tomorrow, it's Dirk Nowitzki retirement night in Dallas. And just like, man, just throw Clay Thompson's return on the road on Dirk Nowitzki's night. Honor, honor Dirk. Honor Dirk. Are they bringing the Oracle hole in the wall to celebrate Dirk? Yeah, that's what I was wondering about that. Like, they made a big deal. I don't think they actually did that, but... We shall see. We shall see. And weren't they going to put it in Chase? That was the like, thing. They were going to cut it out, yeah, put it yeah. somewhere in Chase. Yeah, I don't know that they've done that. I don't know that they've done that. No room. No room. Now, we're looking at January. Not Sunday is, quote-unquote, the likely, likely possible Clay Thompson return. Of course, is I'm going to be in L.A. for 49ers versus Rams to play to try to get in the playoffs. But you guys will probably be there. I assume. I just thought, and, and that's why I was wondering if Steph talked last night, which I guess he didn't after the game. Like, I think he backed up his warm-up routine last night to get into the clay warm-up window with the Draymond. Because we know Steph and Draymond usually warm up way separate from each other. Like, Steph's on the early side. Draymond is way on the late side. But, no, they got all three of those guys on the court together. I, I think they, knowing them, they wanted that image out there. Look at us three together. And it was pretty powerful. Like, I was, you know, I don't I'm not into the hokey stuff sometimes. But that was like, you see those three guys like Draymond in was into it. Like, Draymond was feeling it. That was like, wow. Hey, if Steph Curry purposely altered his shooting routine last night for some reason, he ain't going to do it again. Yeah. Because no, he no, went 3-17, no, yeah, like, and that's why he did not talk post-game. Yeah, I was going to say that, too. Like, we know how Steph loves his routine, so it's a major thing for him. You know, he's backed it up before. 
but like I think he purposely did this to get in there with Clay and, and Draymond just to feel it, just to feel this before they they get all on the court together and actually play on January 9th. That's my opinion of what was kind of happening. You can just see them kind of arranging the pieces for this. You can see it, you know, again, it might not happen on Sunday. I think it is likely to happen on Sunday. But it just just tells you that if Steph and Draymond are like manipulating their their warm-ups and their preparation, they're feeling it too. I mean, everybody's feeling it. They've been talking about it all year. But those two guys are the two guys who are most important to, to see it and feel it and touch it, and they are really feeling it right now. Well, the big change was Clay was out there while the fans were in the arena. Clay has shot pregame before. I remember I went to one game where they remember when they played the G League game in Shea Center. It was like the first look at Kaminga and Moody, and it was like a one p.m. game, and then they had the seven p.m. game that night. The G League game gets done in like twenty five minutes after the G League game's done. Like Clay Thompson shooting pregame, but like fans won't even be in the arena for ninety minutes, and you've seen vision of them doing that oftentimes in full uniform but it has not once been when fans are in the arena last night was the first time he decided to get in front of the fans and that that was the part of the routine that uh you know not only Steph backing it up but like the fact that he was ready to kind of unveil himself to Warriors fans a little bit that's their announcement those guys that this is coming you know that's that's their way of saying it's going to be very likely to be Jane. And we and then, you know they showed the video. They showed the video of him raising up the the six fingers, and that six days from January third would be January night. Again, we'll see. It doesn't mean it's absolutely going to happen. Then. Me and Marcus talked about it. The scrimmage in Denver was um, that was big. I mean, that to me that was the last step. It wasn't even planned. Maybe if that doesn't happen, they the Warriors can somehow, you know, Rick Celebrini can somehow squeak another week Could out of it. Talk them into get, the 18th. Yeah, yeah get yeah, it to yeah. the 18th where it's the start of a seven-game homestand, right? That's what it would have been. But he did that scrimmage in Denver. He declared himself ready basically after the scrimmage. Again, barring any setbacks, it is happening. They had him talk to you guys after that scrimmage. I mean, you know, we know how protective the Warriors are. I kind of forced their hand on that a little bit um, (laughs) because he he practiced and he, you know, they're talking about him being in full scrimmage and it's like, yeah, all right. Like we're talking to him today. They don't always listen to you, though, Slater. Let's put it that way. They don't always uh, abide by the Slater demands. But, no, it was at that he spoke. They all are so comfortable about saying that he's going out there. He's doing, you know, workouts. He did one in Denver, right? Shooting around with Steph and, and Draymond. Like this is happening. This is this this is them acknowledging. And yeah, I I'm sure that that scrimmage just that canceled game and that scrimmage was like that's it. We can't put any more breaks on this unless something comes up in the future. But as of now, as everything this is lined up for him to play on Sunday night. And he'll have another one, right? When they come back from the road yeah. trip, yeah, they, they have a couple, couple days. Not with off. the main guys though. Yeah, it may not be with Steph and Draymond, yeah. but it'll be it'll be a hard. I don't know. They might they might change their schedule. Yeah. Like, hey, let's get out here one more time. Let's They're get, practicing in Dallas tonight, and he's going to be here. Maybe it's tonight. No, it won't be. It's coming, and you know, and you know, if he's playing, he can play eighteen minutes. Like, what, is that what he says there? Something. Like yeah, that that's the minutes? that's I mean, the he, number they I'm keep sure using to start. I think that we'll get like a fuller plan from Kerp. I would guess not until Saturday when they'll like officially acknowledge probably that he's coming back. But I assume they're going to go like. Between 18 and 22, 24, depending on how he's feeling. Like little four or five minute bursts to open the, maybe to open every quarter, right? He opens the first, second, third, fourth with like four to five minutes. I think that'll get ramped up relatively quickly into the mid 20s towards 30. Well, you can imagine him sitting at him playing well and then sitting. I don't, out that first game, game yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah. that's happening. <laughs> that no, first. No, Clay. Clay, Clay, we're we're down six right now, but you go ahead and sit over that there. That second uh, quarter run, I think he's gonna be like, "You better not, Mike Brown. We will fight right here. You ain't pulling me out this game." <laughs> if he got hot, that would, you know, Rick Celebrini would be over there pacing. I was on the national podcast uh, yesterday on the athletic feed, and like Amick kind of was asking me about Celebrini's involvement in all of this. I think it is kind of undertold, but. I mean, like, he is running this show. Behind, like, you see Clay's answer the other day? Like, it's up to Mr. Celebrini. Yeah, it's up to Mr. Celebrini, yeah. He's treating him like a team a team owner, right? Like, <laughs> the way he referenced them. I said it on that podcast. I think I, I would like to, to relay it on this one. But Clay's first rehab was done away from the team, right? You guys remember. I mean, he was just not around much. He got hurt in L.A. I mean, he literally got the second injury in L.A., yeah. 
but before that, like the day to day minutia, which is like probably the more important part of the rehab is like when the knee is not even ready yet, when you literally have to just go do like band exercises in the weight room and like very small step stuff on a tedious everyday basis. Like that was the vacation season where Steph was hurt. Draymond was barely trying. D'Angelo Russell was around. They were losing every game. He was just away. He'd be vacationing. There'd be pictures of him on a vacation while the Warriors were playing. I believe there was one from one in Paris, right? I think there was one, yeah, one in Paris while they were while they were playing. Yep. And like, there wasn't too much of like a there wasn't too much of a frustration because you remember the entire franchise basically was taking a vacation that year, but like the rehab clearly wasn't done as intently as maybe like a Rick Celebrini would have preferred. And then obviously you get to what Tim's talking about, which is at the end, last stages of the rehab, he's he's playing unsupervised pickup basketball in L.A tears the Achilles. It's very clear that this time around, he took it more serious. He's been around much more. I th- he's been, I think, more receptive to, you know, I guess, Celebrini's direction. And clearly at the end of this, he, he's been willing to, you know, be a lot more patient than I think he necessarily wanted to be. And that's why I think he's done. Now we're almost sitting at like a month, month and a half of, of five on five scrimmaging. And he's still like, all right, well, Rick gives me the green light. I do think the second time he, he learned the value of being around the team, right? It kind of drove him home. This has, like, a, been a mental process for Clay, And being, like, actually involved with the team and around and got guys like uh, James Wiseman, like TK, right? Like, he's got Wiseman. Oh, yeah. Hey, and, there might be a story coming out yeah. about some of this, by the way. Might be. Might be. I, I think that helped him, actually. I, I think he needed it. Um, he had other things to uh, help his mental part. The second time around, but this time being, or the first time around, but this time around, I think being around Steph and Draymond, being around the young guys, being able to do his boat thing and his water thing, like I think that helped as much as the physical stuff. I, I do think he learned that lesson that there's a holistic kind of recovery that happens when you do it as part of a team. So you could just feel it. He's just he's he's so much more appreciative and open and transparent about like himself. But you can just see his interaction with the team and with, with with his other players, right? Like he took out the G League dudes, right? Like as as Dan Varro, he's like inviting G League dudes to his house to kick it, and every step of the way, you could just feel Clay like really kind of ingratiated into the franchise, like more than you you kind of ever would have thought before. Well, it's two years, right? It's two years. That's the thing. It's like. The ACL, you can see, like, it, hey, tons of guys get ACLs, right? I mean, not everybody, not Clay before that, but it's just a normal, like, you know, you know the routine. It's an ACL, you know how your body feels like, you go through certain things, you get checkups, you have a progression, and then you're usually back, you know, six to eight months, whatever, remember, whatever that was going to be. You go, you put an Achilles tear on top of that, it's a unique... That's a whole new ballgame. Yeah, that's yeah. a whole other thing, and if you don't follow exactly what your doctors are telling you you could screw it up so easily and, and, and who knows it might not be great you know to get to the, at the start of this or it might never be a hundred percent you know it's 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 unprecedented we've heard this many times and a basketball player coming back from back to back not like getting an acl coming back and then getting achilles you're getting them back to back without returning you're this is one long extended stretch so i think clay understood and and, and also he's 31 now right it's, it's just the passage of time it's the lost time that if you do not adhere to what they're telling you and you don't really listen to it then this lost time it might might go on and on and on you might never come back so i think that's all it's been practical for him too like you just don't just willy-nilly come back from ACL plus Achilles. Like, this is something you must be super careful about. And the other thing I think that's really helped him be patient is they're really good, right? What what if they were struggling right now? Yeah, I mean, you know, that would have been tough for him to watch. You know, what if GP2 isn't, you know, isn't a guy? They don't have someone. Jordan Poole doesn't do what he's like. If they're struggling, especially at that position, I think Clay would have felt a you lot You mean like they were last year? <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, he would have felt... He he wouldn't have he would have, wouldn't have just felt it he would be exerting it on them like let, let get me in here I can I can play 15 minutes right now I'll stand in the corner and I'll make five shots let's just let me do it and this incredible start has allowed everybody to just kind of take let's look at the bigger picture here and Clay is doing the same thing it's just it's worked out perfectly it's ex- exactly how they wanted it to happen but it rarely works out exactly how you wanted it to happen and, and here 941 the- days will be the final counter Oof. between games. Which is crazy. I mean, you know, we say two years. 
it's truly two and a half. It's going to be a year and a half since the uh, since the Achilles. Not even uh, just a year and two months since the Achilles. Achilles was so, November, you know, so yeah, it's been about fourteen yeah. months. Which you know they've been patient. It, it's in it. the window. It's yeah, it's in the window. What well, one of the, the reasons he's been able to be patient is because a guy named Jordan Poole has emerged. Uh, Anthony Slater, you wrote an incredible piece today. Marcus Thompson, about... you wrote an incredible piece. <laughs> oh, look at this. Look at this. About, about... I did not. I had nothing to do with the story, everybody. Tim Kawakami got a that. heater coming up soon that people can look at. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's one coming. There's one coming. What Clay's return means is that Jordan Poole is going to get, you know, what technically is a demotion, which probably going to feel like a demotion. Last night, interestingly enough, he scored 32 points and really kind of saved the Warriors offensively on a night Steph was was really off. And he did it while coming off the bench, right? Which is kind of like the perfect uh, uh, bow on this transition he's got to make. So you've been digging on this, you know, on this excellent story you wrote. You've been digging on this for a while. How- I was even <laughs> reading J. Cole lyrics at one point. <laughs> yeah, wow. Wow, you guys. No. Uh, what is this? This love love fest here. Love fest. I'll tell you the origin of this story, really. It's me and Marcus sitting in a Brooklyn, or I should say a Manhattan practice at the Players Association, which is the lead of the story, and we're sitting there like... Hey, this might be the best genesis of a story ever, right? Like, <laughs> Yeah. No, I mean, you know, me and him are there, and there's there's a few other reporters, and Jordan Poole's really frustrated. This was early in the season. Like, First of all, we're hyping him like crazy all summer and into preseason. He has the really good preseason. He has great opening night, and then boom, slump. Hits the big slump. Like they were at that time, probably like what, 13 and one or something, 13 and two, because they had just lost to, to Charlotte. But he was not playing that well. He was shooting in the 20s percent from three, and he was like pissed off while he was like going through the shooting routine that he kept missing. And again, we kind of detailed it in the story, but he has this situation where he misses a shot and chucks it against the, he thought it was the wall, but it hits this TV screen and cracks it up. And uh, Andre Iguodala is the only veteran in the building, and he just, the way on you, I mean, everyone kind of knows the Andre vibe. Yeah, you had to be there to really you get did. it. It was incredible, though. <laughs> like, yeah, I could read it. I could feel it when reading the story. Like, Andre is like, hmm. Um, like, the, the, the walk of the Players over. Association. Yeah, VP of the Players Association, too. Yeah, the entire gym not only saw it, but didn't really flinch, but also, like, realized that Andre had not only seen it, but was like, I'm going to take care of this. And, yeah, and, like, you could read the story to see exactly what Andre did, but... It was an early, I don't know, lesson for me and Marcus of like the way they're handling him was interesting. And even the way he, he reacted to Andre kind of chastising him a little bit in, in his own way uh, was interesting. And then from there, I think me and Marcus decided, hey, let's do like a bigger Jordan Poole story. And that has come to this point where, as Marcus said, I mean, this is a pivot point in his early career where he goes from this like upstart. Wow, it's been a really bright story. He's filled in well for Clay Thompson to hey, we know you're ascending. We know a contract is coming up or an extension talk at least. You're getting a demotion. you know. And, and, and a lot of people say it's not a demotion. Of course, isn't really if you view it that way. But at the same time, you're now considered a bench player and you're going to get less shots and less opportunity on most nights. And you can say, well, you know, closers matter more than starters. Well, look, if Clay Thompson's pretty good, Clay Thompson's going to close on tonight. Jordan Poole's going to find a tough time closing. Now, on his hot nights like last night, he would. How will he handle that at the age of 22? It's much easier for a guy like Iguodala, later stage career, has been through it all, has been an all-star to do that. Jordan Poole wants to become an all-star. So that's just the point that it's at his career. Marcus or Tim, you can go from wherever. But that's kind of the setup of the story we wrote. And the interesting part, it's not just that, like, is it a demotion or is it not? I mean, you could argue he only got the start job because of injury, right? So this isn't, like, something being taken from him. But the point is, this is Jordan Poole, right? This is a guy who in his head is a star. When it didn't look like he would be anything, he was thinking, I'm a star. And he went out and proved it, and now he got to this point. So to me, the the part that is always fascinating is not just how – they're grooming him, but how he takes to being groomed, right? Like how he kind of manages, you know, he's always had his own swag, his own personality, and he doesn't really, in a sense, compromise that while also being managed by vets. It's usually like you would expect a dude to be like, shut up and take everything these champions say. But Jordan Poole isn't like, yo, I'm going to shut up, right? <laughs> he's just like, I'm going to say something back and I'm going to receive what you're saying 
and I'm going to maintain my integrity from who I am, which makes it really interesting. And what's so interesting about it is he is literally the crown jewel of the Warriors development. Like TK, we, we, we've been talking about this for a while, how they've been missing with the development and then boom, they hit it with Jordan Poole. So who was terrible in his rookie season. Yes. Terrible. <laughs> yep. And you can see progress, you know, and, and we, we know, and you know, they've kind of retooled their developmental staff, but Chris DeMarco has been there the whole time. He's probably, you know, as you guys wrote, he's probably Poole's number one guy, number one supporter in there. And you see progress. And I do think what comes out through the story and just what comes out through interactions with him is that a little fiery nature, the fact, you know, some of the things that gets he and Draymond going on each other or can irritate Andre or whoever is also what helped get him through this. Because he's not just going to roll over. Like, he wasn't going to roll over when he was also shooting. Also, why they like, like him, nine, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. They like that, that he, he fights back. Now, you know, listen, they treat other players differently. It's completely different in the way they talk about James Wiseman, obviously. It's just, just different ways to handle young players who've got a ton of talent and you want the most out of them. But I think, you know, here's a guy who was, like, shooting 18% from threes, whatever the hell it was. It was airballing. Like, it was, it was a bad season where he got a lot of opportunity and he just didn't do anything. Uh, but then he fights his way through the G League, gets some gets some opportunities mid last season, and then just takes off at the end of the season. You, you don't do it if you're a shrinking violet. Like we've seen shrinking violets on this team. Like we've seen guys who just cannot, you know, whether they're are not Draymond's yelling at them. They just they just see the moment and like they they don't want it. And Jordan Poole feels it now. Sometimes he feels it too much, and they have to pull him back a little bit. I can't wait for the time when there's, they're down a stretch in a big game and there's Steph over there and Clay on the other side and it's and Jordan it's, Poole it's just Jordan pulling Poole, up. Jordan Poole, baby. Know, yeah, and <laughs> hey, guess what? Uh, he can't yeah. wait for that time either, but he's not viewing it as a claim. <laughs> <laughs> that thing ain't touching the rim in his mind. <laughs> yeah, and that's fine. You know, again, that's part. You want that mentality. It's I've, I don't think his, his top side is a great starting NBA two guard. I think it's Lou Williams. You know, I think it's that six-man jordan clarkson he's probably maybe better than jordan clarkson but it's you know he probably doesn't think that's where he is i think certainly on this team that's what he is and that's a valuable spot i don't know i think was andre in there telling you like 20 million dollars a year tyler hero who we right saw now. last night yeah exactly Tyler. you know it's just jj reddick whatever you want to call it he's probably you know he's got more to his game than some of those guys but like this is a valuable spot it's a valuable spot and and can help them win a lot of games can take the pressure off of Steph, can take the pressure off, already taking the pressure off of Clay. But it's also that he wants more. That's what helps him get to this point, that he's going to keep scrapping for more. He wants more. And, man, there's going to be nights. I'm looking at this this roster. There's going to be nights when he plays 12 minutes. I think there are. That's when it'll be, be nights. Yeah. And we'll see yeah, what the response is when there's nights. Because he's still not a good defensive player. Like, he's just not. He's by far their weakest defensive player. Well, he and Bielitsa. And that's, that's going to hurt them at some point if they play him I would say two things. That, uh, number one, like, those are the nights where this will be tested. You know, we can write this story a night after he scores 32 off the bench. And, of course, it's all positive vibes. He scored 32 points and played 26 minutes off the bench. If that's what bench life is for him, he loves bench life. But, you know, like Tim said, you know, Clay Thompson's back. There are certain matchups. There are certain nights he's cold. Whatever. Wiggins is rolling. GP2 is defending well. Yeah. Yeah, you're pulling somebody off the court. I mean, Andre is going to close against in the tough games. There's just like the math says that there's going to be some nights when he's not going to get another a third stint or fourth stint out there. And then, then what does he do with it? That's going to the be two other things that I have won him over or have won the veterans over to his side. Basically, the work that, you know, Marcus, you know, you put the Bob Myers quote in there and I, I think that matters like it's just however you necessarily want to act or or present yourself if you just are in the gym working and they see you working on a daily basis like that matters a ton to to the veterans and then the other thing is like i know you mentioned he's a bad defender but he's an improved defender that cares about winning things that will have debates with you about defensive uh schemes and has been i mean look they're the number one defense in the league and he's playing the two guard next to steph curry like that backcourt has survived defensively so he's showing that he's willing to care about the winning things in basketball and even when you talk to him about it like he will talk about different back screens and coverages and and you know you Steve Kerr says he's got more physical he's now willing to get into the mix more he's cracking down on you know diving big men 
would I consider him a good defender? No, of course not. Tim's right in the fact that like he he's probably more on the a bit negative side than positive, but he's improved and he cares about it and they see that and they've seen that they can win with him defensively in a lineup. You know, he, even if he's not the star defender, he is holding his own enough. Uh, because they wouldn't have this defensive rating without it, and and that matters. You know, and he's six foot five. I think that you know he's not a six foot two guy out there who is just a terrible physical match. I mean, he's six foot five. Man, why are you dissing Chris Chioza? He ain't even do nothing. He's just <laughs> chilling. Like, well, that's where that's where to me he's not necessarily Lou Williams. And Lou Williams is you know the six man legend. I'm not even like I, I don't even want to compare career pass at all at this point. But like he has a chance to be like average defender. Lou Williams never really even had a chance to be an average defender. We will be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. They have this defensive rating, and if he was terrible, 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 they wouldn't have this defensive rating. I, I don't. I mean, they were wary of it, right? I mean, Steph and Jordan Poole have they. It's why Gary Payton II like is them. here, right? <laughs> it's <laughs> yes, why they didn't leave like, that spot empty. Yeah. 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 Yep. And they're happy about that. Yeah. The 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 worry about Jordan Poole helps him too because it made them keep GP two on his roster, and now he's incredibly valuable. But it, it's going to be fascinating how this breaks down, how the minutes break down. We can all kind of look at it and. You know, it's going to evolve in its own way. But Jordan Poole has made himself into something in this league. Like, you know, he's going to get an extension. Or he should get an extension. If he doesn't get an extension, then there's going to be a ton of teams just waiting for the time when he's a restricted free agent, which will be the next season after next season, if they don't give him an extension. And he's going to make some money in this league. And you score the way he scores, he's going to make some money in this league, which is a huge step from where he was just a year ago. I mean, and, and, and that's credit to his work. He's still only 22. I, I was struck too by you probably know that, that middle the middle child thing that you guys were talking about and it's so true. I mean they had that generation of what what it was you know Spellman, Jacob Evans, Jordan Poole, Kai Bowman, De- baby, Eric Pascal, D'Angelo Russell, De- Eric Pascal, yeah. Russell. Like they had that era of players that they were kind of hoping to piece it together. Pascal makes the rookie league rookie All Star team and Marcus is on a plane with him out to the All Star game. Like they on a on a private be, jet, not just Joe a plane. Joe Lake Joe private Lake jet. Wow, what a time! I just that had been erased from my memory. Exactly, you understand what they were going for. It just it wasn't quite going to get there. And Jordan Poole is the one who is the only one who emerged from that. There's nobody. Smiley Geach, we didn't mention. Smiley, I mean, they just like we could go through it. They tried a lot of different things, and you understand it. So that's why, like, I don't quite buy. Oh, the genius of them formulating this group yeah you get credit for put, getting porter gp2 all the all the guys we know who've been so important to this team you're just kind of scrambling like you're just trying to get the pieces that fit they didn't fit two years ago it sort of fit last year 
they still had Ubre and Pascal last Baysmore. year. Baysmore, you know, it just takes some time. It takes some time to get to. Although I thought Baysmore fit, he just was goofy in his own way. But that's who was starting over Jordan Poole last season. By the way, it was getting Baysmore, and like this is just kind of the winnowing through it of this kind of you know this supposed next era of Warriors. And there's one survivor, one guy, and that's Jordan Poole. Although Kevon Looney, I guess you could kind of throw in there because he's so still so young. But uh, we, we, no, we, we Looney, make him one Looney is considered if you just like Looney locker room dynamic wise. Vet, baby. Looney is an old head. Looney's basically yeah, on like a... Andre Iguodala two point oh. Different. <laughs> and he's gonna play in this league for another twelve years. It's just the like, old head gonna be playing in twelve years. He's so tremendous, tremendous. I do think it's 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 quite impressive. Like as much as this is a credit to the Warriors' development, like. It's tough to get Andre Iguodala's vouching. Like I was talking to Bob Myers, and he was like, "With with with Andre, you're guilty until proven innocent, right? Like he he is the most cynical dude. So to get him to, and we've seen him do this with Clay, right? We've seen him take a guy under his wing. It's like, yo, I'm gonna get you paid <laughs> to have Draymond. Like he tried to do it with Petra McCaw. He did. He did. And McCaw, another, another another young one did. With Andre, the, when I it's funny you say that. I will. I was trying to get him for this story, and I was at Temple. They were they were practicing at Temple University in Philadelphia, and he was like kind of yapping. Pool was like way late after practice. Like they were trying to get to a flight, but there was like five people left in the gym, and Andre was trying to tell Pool something. He was arguing back at him. He's like this hard headed mother bleeper. And I was like, hey, can I talk to you about him? About this guy? Hell no. And then he was walking away, and he's like, just kidding. I want to get him paid. And then he comes over and gives those quotes. And it's just like what he was saying is not necessarily good for the Warriors. But, you know, I mean, player, we mentioned the Players Association rep earlier. It is just funny how he handles all that. I just like the fact, you know, you guys know I've been on pool from the beginning. I just like the fact that he decided to be him. Like he was, it's it's like he's, he's going to wear the little shorts. He's going to wear a gold chain in practice. He's going to talk back, but he's also going to listen. He's also going to work like crazy. And he essentially challenged challenges them right like he pushes Draymond's button like who does that on the Warriors who pushes Draymond's button and he does it and they respect him for it and Steve Kerr he pushes Steve, Steve Kerr yeah, yeah. Oh, right. yeah absolutely <laughs> absolutely that's how Kerr and Draymond bond now they they bond over yelling at Jordan Steve Kerr has come to like him because of the things I was saying earlier. Steve Kerr believes now, hey, he cares about the defensive scouting report. Hey, when I tell him to like, you know, the shot selection wasn't great, he will listen. He keeps calling him coachable. But early on, that to me, that was his biggest impediment to getting on the court. Like, Steve Kerr wasn't a believer. I mean, it was clear when he was playing Nico Mania. <laughs> we need a handcuff. <laughs> We're going to go with Brad Wanamaker here for this t- this seven-minute stretch. But, you know, he, he, Jordan Paul had to earn it. Uh, you, you get on a team like this with Hall of Famers on it, you got to earn it. But, you know, I think it was particularly tough in that era because the the big guys were still around. The team wasn't as good. They had just gone through the championship runs. Duran had left. And, you know, it was just kind of this, well, what? who's next? Like, you know, they didn't have, they had this other group that you really, you know, I would, I just remember standing in that locker room sometimes going, I don't think Pascal's going to make it. You guys know what I felt about him. And, and some other, I still don't think this is it. Like you can talk about being it. It's not it. And I think that was the decision by a lot of people. Like maybe even some of the, like Doran Poole, you know, okay, but he's not, he's not it. And I just give him total credit for having the stubbornness and the talent and the commitment to say, I'm going to make sure I'm it. I'm going to make sure I'm part of this discussion. Uh, some of these other guys, just couldn't do it, and for talent or for whatever, I'm not saying they lacked work ethic, but like he's the one who emerged from that. And there's really a lot of value. Like something, you know, they're going to accept Kaminga and Wiseman in different ways just because of this massive talent. There is a lot of credibility for Jordan Poole that he worked through this. He pissed them off through this. They were down on him through this, and he fought his way back. Uh, that means a lot in that locker. There's different levels of work ethic. He kind of has like the the maniacal level of work ethic. Yeah, yeah. Which they, which they kind of respect about him. Uh, I feel like we got to talk about Mr. Uh, Slumper over here, Mr. Steph Curry. I feel like we do this every year where he, he goes in a lull. This is admittedly a, a deeper lull, it feels like. 39.3. missing so many. 39.3%, down to 42.7% from the field. That would be his career low by a long shot. 
Except for if you take out 2019-20, yeah, that five. You got to take that five. You got to take that. But yeah, outside of that, like he hasn't been lower than four six four five one was his low. So four two seven is like super low. He's thirty nine three. We know he does the second half turn up like like clockwork. I remember having these conversations. TK, you were like, "Yo, we know what he does at the <laughs> after the All Star break." So on on the panic meter, how worried are you about? Steph Curry's shooting. I'm looking at it. It's more serious than it's been in, in, in a while, I think. I, I think this is a longer slump that makes you believe there might be something. No, I'm not saying injury. I think there just might be something going on. He's missing wide open shots. Like, there was a clank wide open three from the left wing last night. I can't believe like, he just had no chance of making that shot. And I'd never felt that with Steph before. I think he's turning around. I, I mean, that's who he is. He's going to you know, go on one of these binges, but I keep waiting for it. The numbers are just really, really interesting right now. And, and I, I like he's missing wide open shots. And I looked it up on the NBA stats. Like he's definitely, he's like 43-3 in shots that they consider wide open. And he has, he's taking more of them this season than last season when he was swarmed and made 48.9 of his wide open shots. Like there's something going on here that, is he tired? He looks tired. Is he, he like, looked, to me? Yeah, that's he's, it. He's, and that's what they've said. He's tired. I think, but I think it's a mental tired. I don't think it's necessarily physical. I think it's his brain is fried. And we've talked about this before. Like when is, when are they going to give him a game off? Now I don't think they can with Clay coming back. Right? They want him on the court with Clay. But maybe you know we know Clay's not going to play back to backs. Maybe you sit them both in a back to back. Maybe you just get Steph five to seven games off here clear his mind to kind of get through this but he's gonna have all-star like he's got all these commitments he always does but you know he missed that layup last night like right at the, in the front of the rim that would have been an and one i don't know what's going on and the percentages are getting pretty deep into the season now where we can all expect this flurry but if he doesn't get this flurry the numbers are going to be career lows across the board across the board for percentage he's still the most valuable player in the league by the way he's still got the number one plus that's minus crazy yeah, all these things are true. And he's playing, and I've kind of been cautious on this, he is playing the best defense of his career. There's, I don't think there's a question yeah, about that. Yeah, which, by the way, might be tiring him out. Yeah, I was going to say, like, you can weigh that. Like, it's, it's a sign that he does have his legs, but it's also a sign that he's got so much focus on that that he it might take away from his offense. I, I don't know. You also have, he might point out the new rotation, which was all screwed up last night because he got the early fouls. But, I mean, I think he point that out. I mean, he's not as in rhythm as he normally feels. Or he's uh, in a rhythm, he, and then he's got to sit down. Exactly. And then he's got to start up again. And I, Steve Kerr has acknowledged that. I think, I'm, you know, this is hurting Steph, but it's better for the team. And I think both things are true. I think it is hurting Steph a little bit. You know, it's all by percentages. And I also think it's the best thing for the team because they're better in the non-Steph Curry minutes than they've ever been, except for when you count Durant. And, and I just don't count Durant in any of these stats because you can't. It's just an interesting setup. And we're playing, you know, we're all assuming it's going to come back. And I think it will. But what if it doesn't? Like, he's going to put up some really weird stats this year and still be the most valuable player in the league. His percentage wasn't very good last year. It wasn't this bad, but you know, February, March, it wasn't good. He cracks his tailbone, and his percentage wasn't good when he cracked his tailbone. Then he came back, and April was the greatest three-point shooting month. It was in nuts. NBA <laughs> it was insane. It yeah. was ninety. He went ninety-six of two hundred six. There was a five-game stretch where, in four of the games, he hit at least ten threes, which I believe like five other players have ever hit like ten threes in one game before, and he hit four out of five games. So. A volcano's coming at some point, I think. Uh, especially, you know, Tim's mentioned it. Like, they're, he's getting more open shots this season. And I don't think suddenly the rest of his career he's going to be like a bad open shot three-point shooter. Yeah, like, think I so. do think, think there so. should be concern about the fatigue and maybe they can spot rest him here and there. I mean, what would you set the over-under for his three-point percentage like at the end of the season? I'd still go 41 and I'd probably take a slight over. I thought it'd be 42, you know, and that's low for him. But neither, or is that career right around his career? But... It's just weird for me to see. He's now low 39s. He's like 39.3 now. It is, but look, if you just, I'm not saying he's going to have that April again, but if you just, if that is his March, then boom, he's like at like 43%. 42 and a half, 43. Yeah. I, I, we all see in it, it, but it's just, it, this is now a significant chunk of the season. And he, like, he hasn't had that four game stretch, even like in other years where he's had that early season four game stretch. Okay. That's Steph. We know he's, he's established. 
It's just kind of had one good game, three weird ones, two normal ones. That's the part game, that's so yeah, interesting, that's like, right? Like just when you think put to get he's about to get out of it, right? It's like, hey, he goes to Utah. Okay, six for twelve against Utah. Where I remember, what was he eight for fourteen against Memphis that time? And it's like, all right, here it comes. And then he follows that with like not going on a run. So that's the part that's made it weird. But he's down. He's normally he has these stretches, but there's these like spots of games where he's like oh he's feeling it and it's like yo it's he hasn't been able to sustain that part which to me i just i just find really interesting and there's more of those like one for tens three for fifteens than normal i don't know i probably should look it up it feels like he's leaning very heavily on threes more than more than normal and his twos are down his twos are down yeah his twos are way down he's shooting worse from two that that's almost more that's almost more like a more concerning, like, hey, you know, is there maybe a dip? 49-2 from two. That's, um, you know, I think the league is like 52. It's just, you know, and, and, you know, one of his great things is like he could absorb the bumps now. He's physical. He can get, get finish in the lane. He's not finishing in the lane. I, again, a lot of this could be fatigue. A lot of this could be, you know, they're not calling as many fouls, whatever you want to call it. But there's things that are like lined up for him. I'm going to be curious if they go back to the old rotation once. He played seemed back. like he wanted that at some point. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah I think also, that might teams now league wide defenses league wide are much more willing and committed to just overselling. It is not just oh wow he ran into Nick Nurse and Nick Nurse did a creative thing. No, it's it's yeah, every team. It's every team swarms them like crazy, and like that leads to more fatigue, and that obviously just leads to more like scattered play from him. But at the same time, and this needs to be mentioned throughout this slump there's a reason they're still awesome offensively, and it's Steph Curry. Even when he <laughs> isn't having a good shooting it, night, they're scoring so much. It's MVP. Because it's, it's Gary Payton breaking guys off the dribble. No, it's Gary Payton wide open under the rim because two guys are guarding Steph Curry. Kavon Looney getting... Dunk uh, after uh, dunk. Yeah, after, just yeah. flip to him, one-step dunk, and that's Steph. Exactly. You know, it doesn't work if he's not out there. He has to keep shooting, even if he's shooting, you know, a career low. Because it just threatens the defense so much, and then it opens up all the other things. Absolutely, can you imagine if he was hot this season? Can you imagine what the numbers would be? I mean, he's again, he's the number one plus minus player in the league. He's all these things that are happening because he's out there, and he hasn't even made the normal amount of shots. Like that is incredible to think about what that value is when he's shooting thirty nine point three from three, which is like not even close to the leaders. Not even close to the leaders. He's still the most valuable player in the league. What if he goes on a run where he shoots 46 for the second half of the season? It's going to be lights out. It's going to be forget about it. Like So it is a large tribute to who he is that we, we can talk about this slump. We can talk about what's wrong with him. And it's all within the context of he's also the best player in the league. It all proves his value, right? Like it all. <laughs> like, like Wiggins is shooting 43.5%. And... Like he's shooting the best of his career, and he keeps getting open shots. He keeps getting open. Like they keep, he's open in the corner all the time. Everybody knows that's the spot. That's to me is is a byproduct. Like I'm I'm looking at the wide open threes. Jordan Poole has 112 <laughs> wide open threes, and Wiggins is at 73, and Otto Porter's at 67. I mean, these dudes are getting wide open looks, and that's why Steve is saying it helps everybody else, right? Like. His minutes are up, right? He's playing more minutes in this new rotation. But him playing on the court more with these other guys is helping them get open looks. And Wiggins might end up being an all-star because of it, which is probably... By the way, I don't think that's happening. I've looked a little bit more into it. Well, I mean, there's some guys that are... It's a conversation, though. So, Damian Lillard's not making it. Luka Doncic isn't making it. Paul George. I mean, there are names that he's going to be fighting against that, you know, reputationally, I just, like... Is he going to make it over Luka Doncic? No. Yeah, I mean, there's an opening, but I think Ja might have just taken that opening. Like, there's a slight chance because Ja's going to start, ain't he? <laughs> yeah. Anthony Davis isn't going to make it, I don't think. That, well, that, that's a debatable. Like, he still might make it. But, like, if Anthony Davis makes it, then Wiggins is not. Like, there's a little bubble there. But if you really look at it, and I always tell people I hate looking at all-star teams, but I have, some people have started talking about it, I've looked at it. There's a little opening. I'll tell you what Andrew Wiggins' likely opening, opening is, and it, it's it, it could happen is is injury replacement or COVID replacement. You know, we're usually every conference they have twelve to start, but 
You know, a few guys are in. Anthony Davis. David Lee is an all-star, man. David Lee, baby. Tim mentions that. Like, the Anthony Davis could make the all-star Russell. team, and then the league could go, okay, he has a sprained knee right now. He's out for probably at least another month. Okay, Andrew Wiggins, you get, you know, or whoever. I mean, you get a replacement. And that's, those are loopholes where maybe you could. But if you're just looking at 12 guys, and I'm just saying likely, I'm not even trying to make cases for guys. I'm just saying who I think is probably going to get in. I do not think he's going to be among the 12. Just, you know, anyone that is sitting there fuming that I'm saying this, just look at the names. Uh, you know, the names that are interesting is Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards. Like, he has to jump both those two. And you probably can make an argument for him over both those two. I, I probably can. I don't know that he would get in over both those two or either of those two. And he would have to get in over both. In, in like We're talking like there's like one slot available. Yeah, at this moment. I mean, like and DeAndre slot. Ayton yeah. and like there's DeAndre a lot Aiden, of names. Oh, no question. And Mikhail Bridges, like, you know, you're going to put him in over Bridges? Like, I, I'd put him over know. Bridges, but Bridges is four for the Suns because Paul and Booker are making it. And if the Phoenix is getting third, it's, it's eight. Yeah. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of little toss-ups that he would have to win, and there's probably too many of them to say that he's likely. He's in. The, I, I look, he is in the conversation. He's in the conversation, especially if guys start falling out. But he'd have to jump over some guys that you probably wouldn't, wouldn't think he's going to jump over. If Lillard is in and, and a couple other guys are in, and, and, and I think we all can bet that they're going to be in, He'll probably not be in, and he'll have to need a couple of outs. But it's, he's had the a great honor is being yeah. in the conversation. Yeah. There that's you go. The, that's and, the and, honor. and so that's... the Warriors can come, and so the Warriors can complain about it the whole oh, rest of the season. This is the old complain. Jason Richardson, Monte Ellis playbook, right? Remember those days? Yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, every single except year. they every win, single right? Except the, the, yeah. they're winning, and that <laughs> that's my answer always. Like you know what? The the being good isn't a path to getting an award. The path, the, the reward is being good. That's the path, That's the reward. Like, just be good. And if you're good, you're going to win playoff games. You're going to win, a cha- you know, possibly get a championship. That's the bigger part. The awards is all back end. And again, I know it's important to players, so I, I do acknowledge that. And I understand why it's important to players. But it should be just being good. And he's good. And, and he's in, in vitally important to a great team. Many people would have never thought that was going to happen for Andrew Wiggins. Again, that's a credit. To Mr. Uh, Wardell, Stephen Curry II. <laughs> like you say, Joe Lacob. <laughs> <laughs> it is a credit to Joe Lacob. Again, check out this wonderful, wonderfully written piece by Anthony Slater, who just really killed it on Jordan Poole. Uh, it, <laughs> it, it was great. I uh, love the J. Cole line. It's just great. Just great touch. Just oh, chef, chef, Chef's kiss. TK, but b- <laughs> b- b- before we get out of here, uh, like you know, obviously the Warriors have the best record in the league. Who, who, who do you see as the biggest impediment? Like you know, who who do you see as the team that's going to give them the problems? Because we're talking about Clay coming back. You still got to infiltrate Wiseman. This team is only going to get more loaded. Like who stands in the way now? I mean, Phoenix is the obvious one. I just think Phoenix is the best team, uh, other team in the West, most talented. They got a lot of weapons. They got a lot of things that could hurt the Warriors. But we saw them beat the Warriors. Then we saw the Warriors beat them without all their guys. So we know that the, the Warriors... Right? Like, what does that mean? Does that mean they're not really a, 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 a foe? No, like? no, no. They still got Chris Paul. They still got Devin Booker. They still got some really important things. I always say Memphis. Memphis just matches up well. Again, again, I know the Warriors beat the Memphis just recently with all, without all their guys. But it was at home, though. Memphis they is tough. On a Memphis is t- yeah, yeah, Memphis is tough. Memphis is long. Memphis has young legs. They're explosive. They're dynamic. I think that I think the Warriors would win a series against Memphis, but I think it, would, it takes them an hour. Did, did you see them against Brooklyn? They just oh, they destroyed Brooklyn. I heard Harden was not very big in that game, um, and the start the starters got crushed. Memphis is tough. Like they make you have to play. It's like the, it's not the same team at all as the, as the previous Memphis team, but it's similar. Like you've got you know you're gonna get tested by those guys. You know Dylan Brooks is gonna be in Steph's face the whole time. You know Jaron Jackson is gonna be difficult. You know Jaw is a tough guard for anybody. Gary Payton the second did not shut Jaw down in the last game. He was on him. He did not. Sh- I mean, it's impossible to shut him down. I would think you would want to avoid an early round series with Memphis if it's leading into a Phoenix series. 
that would be a tough combo. I don't think Utah is an issue for them. I, I don't any of us thought that it would be an issue for them. We just saw the Warriors beat Utah. I just don't think that's a problem. I don't think they're worried about that one. Memphis and Phoenix would be the two. I think they would be. How many threes for Clay Thompson in his debut? That's the the final question of the day. What are you guys going with? Eleven. Oh, jeez. Made threes. Eleven made threes. He might take eleven. I think he's gonna make four. He's gonna be four for four for for eight. I'll say. Do they stop the game after the first one? I, I literally <laughs> think Draymond and Steph might cry, <laughs> like they did in the in New York. Yes, I think that. Where Spike Lee's gonna be on the ground taking the photos. Spike Lee might show up for that game. Spike Lee might show up for that game. Reggie Miller gonna show up. Ray Allen. I wonder who does show up. I wonder if there will be some sightings of people. Like, well, oh. we know E Forty will be in the building. We can count yeah, on Mr. Fab being still, in the building. Yeah. Yeah. Tim Kawakami, you're going to have to change your flight. Kawakami will, not, will not, be not be in the in building. building. He will not be in the building. He'll be riding about a 49ers Rams tilt. He'll be riding uh, about but... Trey Lance in the takeover. <laughs> you're going to be riding about uh, an offseason, potentially. That might be. That might be. That's, that's even better for, to be down there. You're going to want to get a test of all that. But uh, I will, I, I'm disappointed not to be. This is a game I am disappointed that I will not be there for, but... That's the way them's the breaks, them's the schedule breaks. And as I told an editor just this morning, that's why we have the deepest staff in the history of Bay Area sports writing. We we're we're just fine. We're just fine with that because I think we've got some people who can cover this quite well. Bay Area fans, you got to forgive Anthony Slater for that shot, or 49er fans who listen to Words Plus Minus, you got to forgive Slater for that shot. He's still reeling about what the Titans did to his Dolphins. You know what else? Dolphins got that Niners first round pick. Yes, that's true. That is true, and that's not helping. The Warriors aren't helping them by winning some games here. Eh, okay. I mean, they got you know, another one, right? They, they have three, right? Don't they? Don't they have three picks? I don't even know. I know. No, they have two picks. That's right. Philadelphia has three first. Round. Well, yeah, the Dolphins had to trade their own to the. This is not the podcast for that. This um, is not the podcast. Dolphins. I'm getting ready for Dirk Nowitzki retirement podcast. night. I know people in the Bay probably don't care, but you're going to flip it on tomorrow. It's going to be very Dirky in this Dallas arena. It should be cool. I, I think everyone always likes Dirk. The Warriors actually Dirk's did the Kobe great, yeah. retirement, the double Kobe retirement uh, ceremony a few years ago. They always get pinned as the team, which as somebody who covers them, I enjoy because I get to go to these retirement nights for legend. Slayer appreciates. It's Slayer a great way to jack up the prices. Are part of, <laughs> the Warriors are part of Dirk's history. No question about no that. No question. And, them, and that was cool that he handled that so well. He's maybe not in the moment, but he handled that loss in a really class way. Probably helped that he won a championship. It helped that, yeah, it helped that he went on to win the championship. And the way he did it, too. Yeah, so it, it definitely helps. We won't go on and on, but that series was wild. Covering that series, MT, that was wild. Oh, that was incredible. Series, that was we, incredible. We, will not, we will not continue that. We will not make a producer have to listen to that. The next time we talk to you, we will likely be talking about the Clay Thompson experience and the return of number 11. But until then, for Kawakami and Slater, who penned an excellent piece on Jordan Poole today, we are out of here. <laughs>